Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 66 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, coming at you from Belleville, Ontario. And I'm joined, as always, by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell, in the beautiful Bloomfield, Ontario. Riley, no guest for us today. We're back to a two-man show. Yeah, that's all right. Kyle, hey, man, what a ball player. Great to have him on the show. We love having guests. We love having people, you know, come in and give a different take on what was the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays. Um, we got a great episode uh, coming mm-hmm, your sure way do. with just Jesse and I. A lot of stats coming your way. One of my favorites, Jesse and his analytics. <laughs> Me and my old school mentality and my old ways, man. So it's going to be a good one, man. Coming to you live from Monday night. Let's get this rolling, Jesse. There's a World Series going on here very shortly. We're not playing it. So what else? Well, today on the show, what are we Riley, gonna do let's 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 rip this thing back apart. Let's talk about the guys and let's go. All right, let's go. Today on the show, we are getting our report cards out, and we will be handing out some grades for the 2020 Toronto Blue Jays season. Um, we are going to criticize each player, break down how the players perform based on their expectations, and plus, we got to hand out some awards. Right, it's the end of season, end of a good show. You know, we got to hand out some team awards, so we're going to do that too. But first. Uh, Riley, there was some breaking news here. Um, the Blue Jays have just extended their manager, John Schneider, for a three-year contract extension with a club option for 2026. So let's dive right into it here with the big breaking news. I think we expected this to happen. I think leaving the season, we all fully expected John Schneider to be back. But now it is official, Riley. I'll let you have the first word. What is your take on John Schneider back for three more years as manager? I think it's a great choice. I think I'm going to go back on what I said and what a lot of people think. He's worked with these guys in the minor league system, a lot of them. Um, he made a big splash with the club. 46-28 and 28 is his current managerial record. And 622 with us, winning percentage. Uh, with this Toronto... That's really good, man. And I mean, we did have, you know, we we did have a real up and down year in the regular season. Despite this, this isn't about this episode, not about the playoffs. These are hard regular <laughs> season numbers. I'm going to like this a lot more. But I really like that John Sh- uh, Schneider is going to be with the team for sure um, for, t- for two years after this. And I think there's a lot of good to come with it. I mean, managers aren't going to win you ball games, but they certainly can lose you a lot right. of ball games depending on uh, situation calls. So let's see what happens. I'm excited about it. I think that he's the right guy for the job right now. We're not going after a a big, huge name guy. Uh, Schneider's not a household name yet as an MLB manager. This is very much a rookie season coming up for him. I'm really excited to see what he does and what impact he's going to have with this team. I can't imagine it's going to be a negative one, but how how much of a plus will it be to have John Schneider as the Toronto Blue Jays manager in 2022? It's been on scene yet, obviously. Pretty excited, man. We'll see what happens. I also don't think it's an accident that they gave him under team control until 2026 because that's when Shapiro and Atkins contract is still up for. That's when Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Jordan Romano all become free agents. So if the Blue Jays are going to win a World Series with this core of players, it's going to be with John Schneider at behind the bench in the managerial position. And I think that's just great. We've got our core. Now it's going to be up for the players on the field, led by John Schneider, to take us to the next step. Yeah, and I believe that the next step is coming, man. I mean, it was uh, it was just one of those years. We've been saying that for the last three or four years, Jesse, but that's okay. We'll turn over a new leaf next year with the same kind of core guys we got. A new manager to start game one of the season. I mean, 
I anticipate good things. I anticipated good things to start the 2022 campaign, but I think that we're really in different company now, and we got a long offseason ahead. A lot can still happen, man. One thing's for sure, John Schneider will be the manager for this Blue Jays team next season. Good. Love it. Uh, some other news and notes here. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had wrist surgery, as you might have seen from his Instagram page, uh, on his hammock bone, and he should be ready to go for uh, spring training. Now, I thought it weird the Blue Jays made a comment that both Gurriel and the Blue Jays don't think it was responsible for Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s lack of power, which is insanely surprising to me because wrist injuries for a baseball player are kind of really serious. And um, if you can't get that flick of the wrist, how are you going to drive the baseball? Which could explain why Lourdes Gurriel, uh, Gurriel Jr.'s barrel rate dropped significantly this year and why he only hit five home runs. But if the Blue Jays don't think that was the case, then I don't know. Do you have a hunch here, Riley? I mean, I can tell you one thing. I like that they weren't going for a scapegoat because you could easily quote yep. say, yeah, he only hit, you know, six, single single digit home runs because of his wrist, whatever. I mean, take responsibility and, and you know, and kind of go about it that way. I, I do think that it probably did have some lingering effect. Baseball's a long season. You play 162 games. If you're hurt for 30 of those games, your numbers are really going to show. Mm -hmm. It's really going to impact your overall averages, your, your counter stats, things like that. Let's and I like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think he's a huge plus player for us as our left fielder. I think still think his fate's yet to be determined. I still think a lot of moves are going to be made. And um, yes. whether he's in our starting lineup to start next season, I don't know. Unless the trade piece is really good coming back, I would still like to see him in our lineup. But, Jesse... I'm not going to speculate much, but I'm, I hope his no matter what, I hope his recovery goes well. And I hope that, you know, he's able to kind of turn it around power number wise next year. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have, I think if he plays 145 games next season, he should hit probably 10 home runs. That's my expectation now moving on. I think for sure it's got to be a little more than what he hit this year. I mean, we're definitely taking the over on five, which he had this year. So we'll see. We'll get into our next episode here about what our offseason plans are and whether or not the Jays should shake it up. So that'll be a fun one. So make sure you are listening for that. But uh, we'll touch more on that a little later. Uh, George Springer has post-concussion syndromes from his hit in game two of the wild card game there. Um, and it is still unsure if he's going to get surgery on his elbow or not. As you did know, we, he missed a few games. I think he made an IL trip due to his elbow injury. So uh, we'll see with that on George Springer. And Riley, the Blue Jays had five players nominated for Gold Glove Awards this season, which you would have told me that coming into this season. I would have laughed at you. I would not have think that's possible, but here it is. We got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base, Matt Chapman at third base, surprised nobody, Jose Barrios as a starting pitcher, and Jackie Bradley Jr. for right field and Whit Merrifield at the Utility Award. And I didn't even know they had a Utility Gold Glove Award, so that's kind of cool to get them. What are your thoughts on the Gold Glove uh, nominees there, Riley? So I think I can. I think that Whit Merrifield is an awesome candidate for the Utility. I think that's mm -hmm. interesting because Jesse. Um, that, that's a totally new thing, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know at what time they incorporated it. I didn't do my research towards that. Whatever, that's fine. It's got to be either this year or last year. But I think it's cool for guys that play a little bit of second, a little bit of right, a little bit of left, you know, your utility player. And if that's the way that Whit Merrifield's career is going to go from here on, then, hey, put him, put him in those runnings every season that he plays after this. 
Um, as far as guys like JBJ, I don't know if he'll win. I think yeah, I that's think so more if he if he got enough reps or whatever. I mean, to be nominated, you did, but I I, I just don't have good feelings. I also don't have good feelings about my guy Matt Chapman winning. Mm -hmm. I know it wasn't down here. It'll be tough. It'll really come down to kind of the precedence he set the past winning a gold glove, a platinum glove, if you will. Um, I think, and same with Barrios, not really sure. I'm not a great person at grading pitchers' defenses. It's so hard, ask, right? <laughs> I, think, I think, Jesse, if you were to ask us who the best um, defending Blue Jays pitcher was, we would say Yusei Kikuchi, I'm yes, sure. Agreed. Right? That yes. would that would that would jump off the page for me. I think Jesse, what we really gotta look at though, as as probably the guy who's gonna win a gold glove for us is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm -hmm. at first base. I think that I think that there's a very good chance he wins this award in a year where he you know, really had a down year for his power numbers. It was certainly, I mean, a great year defensively. The numbers don't lie. The defensive metrics don't lie. And the eyeball test, man, which is my favorite way to grade a defender, <laughs> the eyeball test, because he made a lot of, he bailed out a lot of his teammates. Let's just put it that way. Not going to point fingers to anybody in particular, but he made a lot of great stretches on first base, man. And it's a thing of beauty. He, he was, you know, brought up as a third baseman, not really being a third baseman or whatever. He he was heavy. He slimmed down. He could probably mm -hmm. now play third base, but he's looking good and he's making great plays. And he had a great great season defensively. I really think Vlad deserves this award, and I I think he's going to win it. I think if anyone's going to win a Gold Glove for this Blue Jays team out of our nominees, it's going to be Vlad Jr. Agree with you there, a hundred percent, Riley. Do you remember in spring training when Vladimir Guerrero the announcement was made that he was going to be playing first base? Um, he was a little annoyed. He was moved off of third base in the first place. But then I remember, I think he looked at Charlie Montoyo at the time and said, I am going to be the best damn first baseman in this league. And it took, what, two seasons for him to do that? Incredible stuff by the young kid with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And this guy just bleeds baseball, man. It's uh, actually quite unbelievable when you look at it like that. Um, your other notes, though, there? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jose Brios wasn't even the best defensive pitcher of the Blue Jays on the team. It was Yusei Kikuchi, so don't think he's going to win that there. And Matt Chapman just got the uh, I've been really good for a long time vote. I don't think he'll win, but good stuff from Matt Chapman. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, next year's a different year for, for guys like that, um, for sure. If, hey, if Kikuchi pitches the innings, you know, there's a real good chance next year he's he's nominated. If he's in the rotation and making his starts, you say Kikuchi could very well win a gold glove in his career, man. Same mm -hmm. with Chapman. His clock isn't over as far as defense goes. I think that's really what's going to hold Matt Chapman in the league till he's, you know, in his mid to late 30s, things like that. But for sure, Vlad deserves it, and I'm sure he'll win it. Absolutely. Now, Riley, let's get on to the fun part, the meat of the episode here. And um, before we get into our grades, we have to give out some awards. So, Riley, it's award season. I don't know if you have like a, an awards theme song or something you want to mutter here. I don't have any sound bites for us, but uh, got some trumpet yeah. can play. Or... Yeah, nothing of the copyright <laughs> variety. You know how it works, man. I'd love to play some some theme anthem like a WWE wrestler walking down to the ring, <laughs> things like that. We don't got none of that, man. But you know what? What we do have, though, Jesse, you and I are good perceptive baseball minds to follow yes. our Blue Jays and award these awards um, accordingly. Award these awards. I guess you could say that. It sounds like good English. Well, without <laughs> further ado, this is the Buds and 
Buds and Blue Jays official award ballots. The Buds Jays, the Buds trophies. I don't know. We can name up a trophy. We'll get someone to think about it. Leave a note in the comments if you can think what a good name for these trophies should be to hand out to these players. But without further ado, Riley, let's start with the Toronto Blue Jays team MVP. Do you want to go first or should I take this one away? I want you to go first on this one because it will all it will it will it will start the episode rolling because you know we talked about this. You start this off because this is the correct answer. <laughs> yes. Let's go, Jesse. All right, uh, the Blue Jays MVP in 2022, surprising nobody, is Alec Manoa. Now it's tough to give what typical is a hitter award MVP, but Alec Manoa, his performance was just simply that much better than any other hitter on the Toronto Blue Jays. He went 16 and seven, a 2.24 ERA, over 196 and two thirds innings pitched. Riley, his career high by far, uh, 4.1 war this season. He struggled a touch with his command in August, which led to like a 3-5 ERA that month. But he got even better as the season got on. Alec Manoa took the Toronto Blue Jays on his back, and he stayed healthy all season, Riley. Alec Manoa is my MVP. He's only getting better. A-plus grade for Alec Manoa on the season, whatever you want to say. But absolutely, MVP, Alec Manoa. There is no question, and there should be in, uh, no question in anybody's mind, that Alec Manoa was the best player on this team. He was the best pitcher, and he's not even close to capping out on his ceiling yet. There is a lot more to come from Mr. Manoa. What else can you say, man? Anytime you get a pitcher that, you know, has a sub-3 ERA and a whip that even is remotely close to one, doesn't matter if it's over, under, his was, his was slightly lower than one, which is one of these, one of my favorite, one of the sexiest numbers in baseball is a walks. <laughs> we love a, walk a good whip, don't we? A, hmm. a, a, I, lo I love a good whip number just slightly below one. I mean, what can you, what, what else can you say, man? It should surprise no one that Alec Manoa is the team MVP, um, despite, um, you know, his pitching performance at certain times. Um, he dealt with a heavy workload, of course. I know that game one, you know, didn't go his way in the playoffs. We're not talking about the playoffs. This was a dominant regular season for Alec Manoa. And might I mention his first full major league season. So impressive, man. He's not even close to being done. Now, I want to give out a not a phony award but there's no question <laughs> in my mind that Alec Manoa is the team MVP what I want to do is almost give out you know the position player uh MVP award and this one honest to god was was a was a tough one to give out it really out. was wasn't it i i i feel like there was a lot of players that underperformed the player that i awarded it to underperformed in some aspects of the game mm -hmm. um the, the just it wasn't a good collective year the team averaged out really nice if you look at the batting average numbers yep. the slugging percentage numbers everything looked great everything looked great um so without further ado i think that our best hitter this year was was bulbachette and i just want to give you the the counting stats i'm a counting stats guy when you lead the american league and hit you're doing something right. Yes. When we play in a division with the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Rays, poor Orioles, <laughs> like whatever. We play against three really tough teams. Boston didn't have a great year, whatever. We play against guys like Mike Trout in our division. Mm -hmm. Or in like, the conference, yeah. Or sorry, yes, in, in, not in the division, in 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 um in the league, mm -hmm. in the American League. So you know what, Jesse? I mean, you got to give credit where credits due. There was a. I'm just going to talk about that. There was a lot of aspects of his game that, yeah, 
for sure didn't peak up. He does walk. He does walk out of this year with a very nice sixty-nine career home runs in two hundred nice. doubles. Those are those are nice stats. Like the uh, hundred doubles, I love. He is definitely good at getting the extra base hits. The defensive metrics really aren't there, but I'm not going to pick those apart. At the plate, he did fine. Um, it, you, you you don't expect a lot of, of like walks at a guys like Bo Bichette, though. We knew this. I mean, he he hits the ball a ton. I think that, uh, well, his exact number of hits this year was 189. He had 191 mm -hmm. last year. The years of guys hitting 220 hits or even 200 hits are kind of a thing of the past. Like, is 189 the new 220? Probably. But you know what? You got to give credit to Bo Bichette. He hits at the top of the order for a really good team where he could easily go to a weaker team and be the three hitter every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? Got to give credit to Bo Bichette because he had one hell of an end of the year. He struggled for a bit, but he picked himself back back up, you know, and re recovered nicely from that because he, if he didn't salvage his season towards the end, I wouldn't be sitting here saying Alec – or sorry, by Bo Bichette's name. I would be probably talking about Alec Manoa and not even about um, a position player. It's just he, he salvaged his year. He led the American League in a hit yep. two years in a row. I think that's enough to kind of give him this one. Next year, I'm really hoping to talk about two guys, three guys hitting 35 or more home runs. But for right now, the expectation um, is, is high for next year. And we're going to finish with this season saying Bo Bichette was our best position player at the plate this year. See, it's so tough for me to give Bo Bichette an MVP award because he was just a league average player for four and a half months, Riley. That's like 60% of the season, if not more. Now, his numbers at the end of the year, like you said, they all came back to what a typical Bo Bichette season was. And that just goes to show how hot this guy can be when he's on. But I don't know how you can give this guy a most valuable thing when he's been bad for four and a half months and his defense, which you didn't really get into, is an important part in all the things. But... Like you said, you look around the rest of the Blue Jays lineup, like the big name guys, George Springer was just good, not great. Vladdy was good, not great. It's really tough to go in. And Bo Bichette did lead the team in offensive war this year, so not a bad call. But uh, let's move on now to our Cy Young Award winner. Now, Riley, I'm assuming if you gave Bo Bichette MVP, you're giving Alec Manoa your Cy Young Award winner, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, without repeating any of the stats, Alec Manoa was was crazy good this year and if we're here at the same time talking about Alec Manoa being the 2023 uh, MVP Cy Young for the Blue Jays it should uh, you know not surprise you mm -hmm. um yeah like not much to say about Manoa he was clearly the best pitcher on this ball club that had pitchers that would have rivaled other teams to be their best pitcher if you put Ross Stripling on a team with poor pitching he would have been their Cy Young winner we were really blessed to have those guys in pitched their way, but Alec Manoa just leagues above some of these guys had a great year. All right. Well, my call then, because I took Alec Manoa for MVP, is giving Kevin Gosman our Cy Young Award winner here. Now, 12 and, 12 and 10 with a 335 ERA over 174 and two-thirds innings pitched. But all of his advanced metrics, Riley, showed that Kevin Gosman should have been significantly better than this this year based on his stuff. His war of 5.7 best on the team. A FIP, Riley, of 238. 238. It's like some of the best in the league. The splitter got more swings and misses out of the zone than any other pitch in baseball. And I know we've talked about it several times, but the only reason he's not getting respect for the AL Cy Young Award is that he had, he had a 363 BABIP against him, which is the worst in Major League Baseball history. Period. 
full stop. Jay's just played really bad defense behind him. And even with league average defense behind Kevin Gosman this year, I'd expect him to be even better in 2023. And he should be winning the Cy Young Award next year across Major League Baseball. Give Kevin Gosman an A for his first year in Toronto. Yeah, you got to give Gosman some love. I mean, we were we had Robbie Ray, uh, you know, win a Cy Young for us. We wanted Gosman to be pretty much at that level. You're right. He didn't get the defense behind him. He was the only Jays pitcher with 200 strikeouts. Yep. And Jesse... Uh, I did not know this. He hit one batter all year, one hit by pitch. Hmm. I mean, that's an incredible. And we 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 go from talk about him to Alec Manoa, who I think has got to be one of the top guys for hitting batters. Alec Manoa is just just seems to you know be an aggressive pitcher that way. Kevin Gosman probably hit the front of the plate on swings and misses more than any other pitcher in baseball. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Gosman did some amazing things this year. We don't see that kind of pitching repertoire often. And, you know, boy, we were treated as fans to, you know, see that in him in a Blue Jays uniform and the way he threw his pitch mix and with high velocity too. I mean, for a guy with the, with the movement that he has, he's got really good velo. And I mean, he's got a really kind of off-tempo delivery. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got the Timlins to come kind of hair. Like, he's a gritty kind of pitcher. I really like him for us, man. And I'm going to agree with you. I, I think he's if he gets better defense, he's going to get Cy Young votes next year for sure. If not, he's probably got a few of fourth, fifth, whatever place votes this year. I thought, you know, Kevin Gosman had an awesome year too, man. I just went to look it up because you sparked my curiosity of Kevin Gosman's only hit by pitch this year. And uh, I don't know if you remember it, but it was in the Trop, in Tropicana Field. Um, Isaac Paredes was at the bat. It was a 2-1 count. And yeah, it was a fastball inside, but Paredes started his swing and he pulled his hands in. And as he started to swing, that's when the pitch hit him in his hand. So it wasn't like it beamed him directly. It was it was a pretty decent pitch that Paredes just moved his hands into. So cool stuff from Kevin Gosman. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, absolutely monster year from Gosman, man. What else? What else can you say, man? I mean, if it wasn't for anybody but Alec Manoa, we'd be talking about him as the team MVP. Crazy that he has a higher WAR than Manoa. Mm -hmm. I think that I. I mean, I still don't know to this day. It's kind of like a long algebraic equation. I couldn't <laughs> tell you how to calculate WAR, but it's real. It's real cool, man. And we had a lot of good pitchers on this ball club. All right, from the positives to the negatives, Riley, the disappointing player for the Toronto Blue Jays. So this is like this is the shit award. This is the award you don't want to put in your trophy case. This is the one you'll take, but like you know you kind of hide it and hope you get others to uh, go for it. Lots of options here. Yusei Kikuchi, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Hunjin Ryu, Vlad, Jose Brios, Nate Pearson. A lot of underperforming Blue Jays based on expectations. Riley, who takes the award for you? Uh, it's 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 got to be Jose Barrios. Yeah, Without so a too. doubt in my mind, he did just did not have a good year. I mean, he did the like basically good pitching is something that we just talked about. I don't know for the last 10 minutes. Jose Brios displayed not good pitching. He gave up hits. He gave up home runs. Walked a lot of guys, I mean, too. He walked a lot of guys. His velocity was down. He was getting barreled up. I mean, it was just not a good year. What really five is a gross number for an ERA. And this was by far his worst season of his career. I'm not going to say next year is going to be nothing because I'm not going to jinx anything. I hope Jose Brios figures it out. I think that he will figure it out to an extent. But yes, it's easy enough to say, like, per what we thought the guy was going to be, 
to his performance. There is the biggest gap with Jose Brios, without a doubt, man. Yeah, I originally started this, going to give it to Yusei Kikuchi just because I was so high on him, but it has to be Barrios for the answer here because we were expecting him to lock in as a number two or three in our rotation, and it just didn't happen, and he got worse and worse. Now, some people will say, well, the Jays won a lot of the starts he made. He couldn't be that bad. Like, he went 12-7 and seven for goodness sake <laughs> and all this stuff, but for the amount Ooh. of innings you had to get out of this guy... And for how much lack of starting pitching depth the Blue Jays had, uh, Jose Brios was a disappointment. And if Jose Brios is on, this Blue Jays team probably wins 98 games. We're winning the division. We're not even playing Seattle in the wild card. But that's just how baseball goes. Now, I do want to give the caveat. This is the first year a, blue, um, a player got their money. And you do kind of tend to see that after the guy signs a big contract. His first year with the new team is kind of disappointing. Francisco Lindor comes to mind. Uh, there have been others throughout Major League Baseball too. So maybe Jose Brios is just... Maybe he was feeling the pressure of trying to live up to a new contract. I don't know what it was. And let's just hope he'll be better next season. Yeah, I'm really hoping so it can't get much worse. Jesse, here is a mind-boggling comparison stats of, uh, between Blue Jays pitchers. Um, and it goes back to our Cy Young winner for our team, Manoa. I mean, Jose Brios gave up 100 earned runs this year. Mm -hmm. Alec Manoa gave up 49. <laughs> Brios doubled his in earned runs. I think that that is an absolute... Uh, like an atrocious number, man. Things like that just don't happen considering um, Manoa only pitched 24 and two-thirds more innings. Quick math there. That's pretty good. Pretty he, and But it's things like that, Jesse, should not even be close, man. By far, it was the worst year of his career. I We got – we have to see a turnaround – and I believe we will see somewhat of a turnaround because this cannot, should not, will not happen again. We will not speak of Jose Brios' 2022 campaign in future years. It'll be one of the Blue Jays' X factors, I think, going into next season. If Jose Brios is better, the Jays will be better. Uh, moving on now to rookies, Riley. And this Toronto Blue Jays team didn't really have a ton of rookies. In fact, I looked it up, and I'm going to name them all off for you. That got at least 10 plate appearances and at least 10 innings pitched. For the hitters, it was Gabriel Moreno, who had 73 plate appearances, and Otto Lopez, who had 10, and Gosuke Cato, who had 11. That was it for rookie hitters on the Blue Jays this year. And for pitchers, I guess Mitch White still had rookie eligibility. He pitched 43 innings for the Blue Jays. Julian Merriweather, who also, I guess, still had rookie eligibility, was 26.2 innings pitch. Matt Gage with 13, Jeremy Beasley with 15, and Maximo Castillo with 20 and two-thirds. So, Riley, Jays rookies, weren't a lot of them this year. There wasn't much exciting. But if you had to give one Blue Jay for rookie of the year, who are you tossing it to? I mean, we got to give it to Gabby Moreno, yeah. right? Yeah, he's the only I one mean, that really did no anything. no question about it. You talk about really small sample sizes. There was a time where I think Gage went in there and threw some pretty good innings. Beasley mm -hmm. had, I think he had one rough kind of go and another one that was pretty good. But for a little bit of consistency, because that's, it's hard to give guys with, you know, a small, even a, that's a tiny, there's a difference between getting a cup of coffee and then like a sip of coffee. This was a sip of coffee for guys like Lopez. Um, and, you know, Merriweather, you know, he's like a 31-year-old rookie. That's right. whatever. You got to give it to Gabriel Moreno. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to give it on the sole fact that he did, he did hit a home run. Yep. Not expected for his power. He's a kind of a hybrid catcher. He's very quick. We saw his is very good defending this year. For sure, I think he, I watched him throw at a runner playing um, Detroit, in Detroit. It was nice to see. Did it against um, Baltimore too? Like he had a few of them. 
And you know what? That's great. He's a he's a new school kind of catcher, a little bit of speed. You know, we're not really sure about his fate. I think that he should stick to this team right now. In my right now brain, I'm thinking like we should keep him right now. <laughs> but you gotta, go, you gotta give you gotta give yeah, well we our minds work like GMs. One day you wanna do this, the next day you wanna do this. Your mind's always tinkering. But for right now, you gotta give Gabriel Moreno the our rookie of the year buds award. Just based off sample size and the promise that he does show as a Agreed. He hit 319, 356, 377, one home run. He did accumulate 0.7 war in a short time with the thing. And you can really see the tools that had Gabriel Moreno be a high top prospect. If he just starts swinging at better pitches, not chasing so much, and the power comes back, there's a real guy here with Gabriel Moreno. Um, I did want to throw just some love to Maximo Castillo, Riley, because if you remember back, I want to say late in May, Jays were on a road trip. We were really struggling. I remember he came in to relief of Yusei Kikuchi, or maybe it was Brios. I don't know. In Milwaukee, and he pitched four shutout innings, eight strikeouts. He then got a start and was really solid in his start, too. And he was really a stable pitching performance when the Blue Jays were getting just shelled with Kikuchi and Jose Barrios. So kind of sad we saw him go. He didn't pitch that well in Kansas City when he got there, so maybe it's okay. But just some love to Maximo Castillo for what he did for this team this year. Yeah, it's too bad because, you know, we could have used a guy like that. But, Jesse, we're not here talking about the what-ifs and should-ifs and what could have been. It is what it is yet. Sucks to see him go. He did pitch, uh, you know, very well when he was with us. He did start two games for us. I think one of them went well and one of them didn't go well. Yep. It's a, he's a young guy. A lot of kinks to work out, man. You can't, you can't expect a rookie or a sophomore, a guy, you know, just to come in and pop right off in the league. I mean, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of growing pains that um, comes with being a good MLB player. You got to go through the bad before you get to the good, man. And we wish him nothing but success in Kansas City. We'll be rooting for him. Uh, Riley, come back. Let's try to get through these next few pretty quickly here. We got our comeback player of the year. And you could go Danny Jansen, Santiago Espinal, Ross Stripling, Tim Meza. But it's Ross Stripling, right, for the performance he went on this year? Yeah, um, I actually have I actually have Jano. I'm a huge oh, Jano fan. Okay, I I mean I have I have Ross Stripling in another category, perhaps. Mm. So I could go either way. But um, you want to talk about a guy who, if it weren't for the, his time on the, the um, injury list this year, I mean it's it's Danny Jansen. He put up 15 home runs in a short period. He that's the most home runs he's hit. I mean. Yes, he's never truly played a full season. And I really, in the hypothetical world, you know, if there's no Alejandro Kirk, you know, and he doesn't get hurt, how many balls does Jano put in the seats? I mean, 25. he's for sure. I That's the exact number I had to. Okay, and good. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I think that's incredible for a catcher, man. I think Danny Jansen did absolutely unbelievable, man. He's he's a great defensive catcher and he's a great power hitting catcher. And that doesn't happen a lot now, man. And he's he what he, his average isn't too atrocious. It's actually quite good for a major league catcher, if I'm not mis mistaken. Danny Jansen really did good things, man. But yes, Jesse, I will not disagree with you, though, that Stripling was a great comeback player, man. I'll let you, because I know you probably have some wonderful things to say about Bob Ross Stripling. Yeah, just, um, he's, the, honestly, you can make the argument he's the team MVP. When Hunjin Ryu went down and Ross Stripling stepped into the rotation, just the performances he put together, the Blue Jays do not make their playoff push without Ross Stripling. And he just decided, hey, I'm not, I'm going to stop giving up home runs and I'm going to stop walking, guys. Well, that's a great combination to uh, go in for because it gave him a 3.1 war and only his 24 starts he made this season. And Riley, 
I remember you and I coming on a podcast here. I think the Blue Jays lost the series, but Ross Stripling put up a dominant effort, like a huge pitching performance in the last game of the series to get us a win, to stop the losing streak. And I think you and I spent about 10, 15 minutes going on about how Ross Stripling's the savior and the season he was having. He's an MVP. I hope he gets paid so well this season, offseason, whether it's by the Blue Jays or another team. A-plus grade for uh, Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling really came into his own this season. I mean, this was – this. whatever happens after this year, I do hope this Stripling, you know, carries, you know, himself well because this is a – it's a lot to be proud of this season for Ross Stripling. I think this is going to be the best season of his career for sure. I absolutely think it's going to be the best season of his career. I do hope he gets paid too. I think he, I think he's not going to have an extremely long MLB career. Uh, he's just not one of those guys. But you can look back and he can look back at this campaign, Jesse, and be very proud of himself, man, because he had huge ex- – like not huge expectations, but he exceeded all expectations, mm-hmm. man, and, and – was walked in some pretty big shoes and filled them with with ease and better than the guys he was supposed to be, uh, you know, basically making up for in a sense. And he was the third best pitcher on this rotation, without a doubt. You could argue he was the second best pitcher yep. on this rotation, man. And without a doubt, man, it's it's we we had a great pitching performance from a lot of guys. One of them was Ross Stripling. He did, yeah, huge numbers in strikeouts, did not walk, guys. And for a guy who walked out, you know, as a long relief pitcher earlier in his career, he, you know, made longer starts than what I would have held him to before. You know, seventh right, inning. Yeah. I know a lot of them were fifth inning stuff, but hey, man, he did great this year for us, man, for sure. All right, did. we are going to take a quick break. We'll be back in two seconds to continue our awards and to get on with our grades. All right, guys, we are back. Welcome back. We got two more awards to hand out here. One, we are going to go with the best Blue Jays prospect. Now, if you're not a prospect guy, this could be tough because none of these guys actually played for the Toronto Blue Jays in their uh, in their season this year. But, Riley, I think there's one big one that we talked about quite frequently on the episode, and he's got to be our best Blue Jays prospect. Go ahead. Say his name. Ricky Tiedemann, That's for sure, yes, sir. Is, yep. is our guy. This is a guy who is is I don't know how many years, Jesse. It's hard to say how far off a guy is from the major league level. But for the big minor league systems, Jesse, it will not be very long at all until he's wearing a Fisher Cats jersey. I'm sure he should be in double A very, very shortly. He, he and ended doing last season th- in double A. He had just got there. Well, he'll be he'll be there all year, Jesse, doing some great things in New Hampshire because he doesn't need to go up to AAA yet. He's still very young, but for sure he is our top prospect. He really made his way up the pipeline this year, man. He uh, 100%. Ricky Tiedemann is the answer. I wanted to throw some love to like Addison Barger, Zach Britton, or Adrian Hernandez, but Ricky Tiedemann is the guy. Um, some baseball outlets have him as the best left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball, maybe behind Kyle Harrison of the Giants, but it's between... It's one of A or one B between those guys. Like I said, he finished up in New Hampshire last year. He never had an ERA higher than 245 at any stop. And he only gave up three home runs all season. He had significantly more strikeouts than both innings pitched and walk. 
And let's just see if he can avoid being traded this offseason because uh, the sky is the ceiling is sky high for Ricky Tiedemann. Now, Fangraphs has his estimated arrival time in 2026. There is not a chance. Ricky Tiedemann, if he's still on this roster, is going to be the talk of spring training. If he comes in and dominates in spring, kind of like Alec Manoa did in his rookie season, there could be a chance Ricky Tiedemann's up by May as soon as the Blue Jays get that extra year of control. There's going to be a lot of talk about Ricky Tiedemann going forward, and I couldn't be more excited for the kid. Yeah, he's still very, very young. There is a lot of ceiling with this guy. One of the top left-handed young pitchers in all of baseball, man. He should fit in with this rotation and this style real well, man. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see what comes forward with him. Now, Riley, before we get into our grades, did you have a favorite moment or a game or a player or anything you want to touch on before we uh, say goodbye to the 2022 season? I mean, for sure, we can look at the the game that we absolutely destroyed the Red Sox at Fenway. Uh, and, we're going to remember that, a, that one for a long time. That was a, that was a, that was a big game, man. Um, another thing that pops up is just guys' desires to play. I mean, the young guys are so feisty, and goes back to Alec Manoa. And with the games that he just didn't want to get pulled from and the pure emotion, how mad he was at getting yanked from those games, whether whether it was the right or the wrong thing to pull him out of those ball games, man, that's a competitor. That's a guy who wants to throw 125, 130 pitches and go out there and just dominate. I think that's real cool, man. Do you remember the game in Yankee Stadium when I think Alec Manoa hit a batter and Garrett Cole starts chirping him from the other bench, right? And he comes out and then uh, Alec Manoa made some comments after the game. It's like, yeah, I'll listen to Garrett Cole when he walks past the damn Audi sign next time or something like that. I thought that was just absolutely hilarious from Alec Manoa. He's a top dog and one of our favorite players to watch this year for sure. Absolutely. His, his comments to back up Kurt when there was the yeah. the fat guy shaming thing. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that crap. I think it's absolute BS. But um, guys like Manoa stick it up. Love Chapman's presence to this team too. Mm -hmm. Backing his guys up. A real real motivator type guy. I think it was great what he said about Kikuchi, how he wanted him on this team. And I yeah. think there was another player, you know, more recently about a slump. You might be able to inform me. I can't remember it. But uh, Matt Chapman was just a guy who had his teammates backs i think it was real cool um obviously fit in real well and um a lot of good storylines man one of them not one of the not good storylines was the whole oh the whole movie thing for vlad yeah. jr i think you know calling that was a little bit you know ridiculous but hey man there's a lot a lot of good things man for sure i'll think about the weird team that had each other's backs man i thought that was really cool guys that wanted to compete guys that wanted to stay into the game some cool off-field stuff too i remember when Matt Chapman had his beach party and everyone was boarding up in beach gear going onto the plane. I thought that was really fun. Everyone looked like they were into it. And anytime you get a chance to celebrate, like John Schneider said, that is really cool. So the playoff celebration they had after giving the Red Sox a shit kicking was awesome. I love some of the clips and scenes we got from that. So hopefully more. It was a fun season 2022 until it wasn't, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what our next season brings. Yeah, we won't speculate on what will happen. You guys will just have to listen to what Jesse and I have to say. <laughs> And without further ado after this, Jesse, I think um, we'll now turn into Mr. McConnell and Mr. Burrow because mm -hmm. we're giving out grades. Sure are. Yep. Um, Riley, are you a tough grader? Like, are you going to be the one? You really got to earn my good grade? Are you handing out Fs like crazy? Or uh, what's your teacher style? Well, you know what? I think I would, first of all, make a, a great, either a great baseball manager or a great teacher. So we're combining the two right now. Go. I don't Love mean it. to toot my own horn, but. <laughs> You know what? It sucks because I'm walking into I'm walking into 
my office about to grade some test scores and these are essay styles there are no just check marks and x's mm. baseball's a We're very analytical in, eh? sport baseball's a very analytical sport there is a lot of ways to get your point across whether that be good pitching good defense big power numbers good averages you know things like that there's a lot of ways to write this essay and it sucks that i have my favorite students so-called i'll try and grade <laughs> as fairly as possible but you know, I'm a pretty fair grader. Really hard to get an F, but really, really, really hard to get an A+, plus, Jesse. All right, love it. Well, let's get into it. we run running short of time and got a lot of players to get through, so let's try to keep this about 45 minutes or so. We'll start with the offense, and we'll start behind the plate with Danny Jansen being our first one up there. Riley, I know you love Danny Jansen. Give me your grade on Danny Jansen's season. I want to give him a B- minus for the year. It could okay. be a lot higher if he was not hurt. That is not his fault. I'd love to give him a B, but a B is kind of a 75%. I want to give him a round of B-, which sits anywhere between 70% and 73%. Still thought he did great, though. Give him a B+, best hitter on the team by WRC+. He was doing that Marcus Semien thing where he was hitting the ball to his bullseye side and in the air. And yeah, you can pitch around that, and there is still a lot of swing and miss, but Danny Jansen plays good defense. He had a good arm. B+, just... Solid season for Danny Jansen, who's happy to bank that in. Moving to our next catcher, Alejandro Kirk Riley. I'll go first for this one. I gave him an A minus simply because I think he's still the best hitting catcher in the game. And yes, there were some flaws. He's never going to be a good base runner. And I'd love to see more power in his bat because it just disappeared for months at the time. But his framing got better behind the plate. I want to give him mad credit for working so well with Alec Manoa and giving him a good season. And plus, he stayed healthy for most of the year. A minus for Alejandro Kirk. What's your grade for him? So I would have had him at an A minus or a B plus for the first half for sure. But I think he finishes the year with a straight B. He gets the B, could have been a B plus, but the power numbers just weren't there to finish the year and cap off a season. Mm -hmm. Yep, some good stuff here or there. Now to our first baseman, Riley, the movie maker himself, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. How do you think he did? I, I for sure, I still give him a, um, I still give him a B plus, man. Um, mm -hmm. Again, like for Vladdy to get his own A plus, my expectations are really high for him. He still had a great year, uh, a lot of great things defensively. Still a good year at the plate, man. I mean, he's still, he's still having an 800 OPS. He's still got an over 800 OPS, Jesse. You can't, you can't really crap on him too much. He gets a B plus for me. I gave him a B minus simply because he was just coming off an amazing 48 home run season in 2021. And our expectations were sky high for the kid. Like I think a lot of us thought he could be like Albert Pujols type stuff, but if this is his down year, it's still a good year. And all I want to see is just have him hit the ball in the air more. You can be a constant MVP. His defense got better too. So yeah, B minus it's, he's going to be better than this next year. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Just a down year for him power-wise. All right, to our plethora of second baseman, I guess we can wrap the three of these in together with Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, or Whit Merrifield. I guess I'll go first here. I gave Kevin Biggio a C-, minus. his defense was good, and aside from a two-week stretch, his bat just was awful. I gave Espinal a B. He was an all-star in the first half. He hit well when the Blue Jays typically weren't hitting well. He played good defense, I think. Exactly what you wanted from Santiago Espinal. And Whit Merrifield, I gave a B minus. It took him a while to get going once he got to the Blue Jays. But once he got here, he got comfortable. He started to hit a little better. And plus, he was always professional whenever he was doing some. So, Riley, our second base trio, give us your grades. 
I'm going to go wit first on this one, and I think it's interesting. I'm going to give him a C plus, and um, it could have easily been a B, but the power numbers during his stint, I think if he hits five home runs, he's sitting at a straight B or a B plus. I think that just a really down down power number since he came over to the Toronto, I give him a, a C plus. Uh, Kevin, agree with you. He gets a C minus. Again, nothing really too flashy. And Espinal is a B minus. Okay, yeah. If he finishes the year like he started it, it's a B plus or even an A or an A minus for him. I think he could have very well had an A year. Again, kind of had the Kirk thing going on. He started the year really hot, finished it, you know, last hot. So Espinal for me, you know, getting in the B territory, a B minus. Just He just had some clutch at-bats when the Blue Jays really needed him, especially early in the season. I remember we talked about it a few times saying, wow, we're so impressed with this kid. So good. Hopefully he stays around here, especially coming off the bench. Riley, our shortstop, Bo Bichette. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I think I settled on a B with Bo Bichette, where you were giving him like in the A range. And uh, give us your official uh, grade on Bo Bichette. My official grade for him is an is an A minus, yeah. and um, it, it it could it, it could honestly if he played if he played Gold Glove quality defense, it would have been an A plus. I'm not gonna crap on him too much for the defense, just because there was a lot of other good pluses, and he carried us to a hot end of the season. I think that's really important. Basically, saying if we're he's writing our five paragraph essay, Jesse, his conclusion, his wrap up to the essay was really really good. I was a big <laughs> fan of it. It was a real tearjerker. I'm mm. going with an A minus. Minus for Bo. All right. Yeah, I'm giving him a B. I can't overlook that defense, especially some of the throwing errors. And like I mentioned earlier, when you're just an average player for four and a half months, it's really tough. It's really tough to go. And I just wish he'd pull the baseball more. I wish he'd attack that fastball more. Like, it's frustrating because he has some of the best skills in the game. But you just know he could be so much better because you can see it. And he just hasn't done it yet. But we'll see. He'll be an interesting guy to follow next year. Um, Riley, your third baseman, Matt Chapman. What's your grade for him? Honestly, man, I as much as I hate to do this, I will. I'm gonna give Matt Chapman a C plus. Well, the power number, little, eh? it, it it does. It really hurt me. If I would, I'll tell you what. I wanted to give him a B minus. I just couldn't give my favorite student a B minus. His pair, uh, he's got to go home and give that to his parents. It's gonna be fine though, because next year will be a lot better for him. He didn't have that gold glove defense this year. His power numbers were down and his strikeout numbers were astronomical. Those cannot mm -hmm. be overlooked. I think if you give anything more than a C plus to Matt Chapman, you clearly love Matt Chapman more than I do. And you probably don't. <laughs> I gave him a B minus, Riley. So maybe I do Whoa, love Matt Chapman more hey. than you do. But, um, yeah. I just want to say, you're right. His defense did take a step back, and we didn't get the five-war player from Oakland and the 2017-2018 seasons. But second on the team, 27 home runs. We can't overlook that. We can't overstate his veteran um, experience, too, and the way he's kind of helped the team, the way he's talked up this team. Uh, he's an incredible streaky player. When he was hot, he was really hot, but he did struggle dramatically down the stretch. The walks were still there, but the strikeouts were too high. So tough to judge that player. We're, I'm going to give him a B minus, but we're right in the same range. B minus, yeah. C plus. It's right. There. Uh, yeah, it's 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 honestly for me, it's kind of more or less the same grade. I got to be tough on the guy the way it just wasn't what I thought it would have been. All right, to the outfielders, Riley Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Now I'm giving this guy a D, a D plus maybe. His bat-to-ball skills were good, but it was an empty batting average, really. Only five home runs after he hit 21 the year prior. He also took, like, some bad routes in the outfield and just, yeah, I really expected more from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and was upset this is what we got from him. I think when you look at his baseball card in future years, 
this will certainly be an outlier on that base I hope card. So. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to give him a C. It was a down year in almost every aspect of the game, especially those power numbers. Those five home runs stick out like a sore thumb, man. Obviously, he didn't play the full year due to injury, but I don't think we would have seen a big spike in stats. He did finish the year with a uh, 291, 292 batting average, which is, yeah, it's still an empty batting average. So at the end of the day, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, he did have games where he put a lot of hits together. I think he had a six-hit game in Boston, so there were some good things with Gurriel. Um, the rest of our outfielders, uh, let's go George Springer next. Now, I gave him a B plus. He stayed healthy, which is the big thing we said coming in for George Springer. He did hit 25 home runs, a 4.2 war, which is really good. He was an all-star yet again. Now, I think he might have to move to right field in the offseason, and we did see some small signs of decline in that bat. But overall, another good season. Very solid for George Springer at the top of our lineup. Well, I'm gonna grade. I'm gonna grade Springer the exact same as you. I think for sure he had a B plus type year, man. Mm-hmm. He is. He is in the decline, and in the, you know, I hope he recovers well from this injury. This doesn't hinder him too much. We'll see what happens, but for sure, he gets a B plus grade. He is still an above average player in all uh, facets of the game. He got a B plus from me too. How about Teoscar Hernandez, Riley? Up and down season from him. Where did you end up with him? I got him. I got Teo sitting at a B minus. I think that uh, I think that could it, it could have gone to a C. It could have gone to a B. My expectations for Teo was just what the rest of the team was. I was waiting for a lot more, you know, big bats, a lot more home runs. Teo did not finish with as many home runs as I would have expected, as many people would have expected. Um, again, Teo, you're not going to get a ton of above average defensive replacement stats still kind of sitting in the around replacement level in the outfield decent speed good arm but you know his glove just kind of average to subpar sometimes it's a b minus for tail yeah c plus going back to what the match happened thing we're right in the same range here you didn't get any silver slugger award like you had the last two years his on-base percentage average slugging percentage all dropped just slightly across the board didn't run the bases that well either and i think just he was dealing with an injury just for most of the year that really dragged down his numbers um he did show up in the postseason though which was always good and he's in a contract year next year so let's see if that can really boost things for teoscar hernandez um the other two guys the bench guys rymel tapia bradley zimmer we don't have to spend much time on them I gave Tappy a C. I gave Zimmer an F plus. <laughs> yeah, I had. I just. I didn't even give these guys grades, but yeah. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna give Tappy a C, and Zimmer's got a D for me. Yeah, just t- Zimmer. Good defense. Good base running. Guy couldn't hit worse shit. And um, Rymel Tapia, you know, nothing special. Defense was mess. Swings and miss were there. Typical bench guy, but elite vibes for Rymel Tapia. Yeah. So. A, a, a plus dreadlocks, man. That's Absolutely. cool. Um, now we're going to move on to the pitchers. We can kind of buzz through Manoa, Gosman, and Stripling. We talked about them earlier. I gave all three of them A's. I think they were all phenomenal. They were all the rocks, the Blue Jays team. And uh, quick, a grade on those three. We've already talked about them. So. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go. If you're, if you're, I'm going to give the A. I'm going to just rate them all in the same A. I'm going to give the A plus to Manoa. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the A to Ross Stripling. I'm going to give the A- minus to Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman kind of worked on it in a group project. If you can look at his FIP, we'll call it that. We'll give him an A- minus because the group project kind of let him down. But still, mm. you know what? It, it's an A It's an A or an A-plus for all of them. Manoa gets the A-plus, though, for sure. All right, the other three guys in our rotation, Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, and Mitch White. I'll let you go first with your grades. How would you so, give them? 
I'm gonna give Mitch White a D minus, and like that's like fifty one percent. Like that's that a gifty is a gift. fifty. Eh? It, it's I gave Mitch White the gifty fifty. I did not give Jose Brios the gifty fifty. Jose Brios had an F year. Like no question about it, he failed. And I'm really curious, Jesse, because before I say my grade, I really want to know what you say about Kikuchi. Well, Brios, I gave a D. We talked about him earlier. We don't really have to touch about that. Mitch White, I give an F. Like, yikes. Disaster from Mitch White. We wanted more. And I'm giving Yusei Kikuchi a D plus just because I'm buying him back in. He was bad. No sugarcoating it. Yusei Kikuchi was bad in his first year with the Toronto Blue Jays. But I just look at the strikeout numbers. I look at what he did. Um, and when he got into the bullpen, was striking out some guys. If he can just find command, which is easier said than done, but if he can, there's a real good pitcher still with Yusei Kikuchi, and I just love, love upside. I'm a sucker for upside. I still think Kikuchi has it, so that's why I gave him a D plus because I think there's still something there. Sadly, we're not giving grades on upside. We're giving it for yeah, what so happened right. in the air. I'm not, <laughs> I, I, Jesse, I didn't give him an F. I, I, it's really hard for me to fail you. He got a D. He he got a D minus, and mm. it wasn't a and it wasn't a gifty fifty. He sat around a fifty three percent for me. One of the lowest grades in the class. But Mitch White got the gifty fifty for sure. And Brios, he he did he, he shouldn't have even written the final exam kind of thing. All right, let's go to the bullpen uh, here. We'll start with the big name guys, Jordan Romano, Riley. Um, he had a few blown saves and a meltdown in the playoffs. But the Jays do simply do not win ninety two games without him. I gave him an A. I think this is the best year Jordan Romano's had in his career and might be the best of his career. Period. Full stop. What do you give him? I think we like what Jordan Romano gave us this year. Ab absolutely an A year from him. Will this be the best year um, of his career? I certainly hope not. It's kind of likely is, though, for a lot of the numbers. He definitely gets an A, man. We do not we do not win 92 games uh, with without him, for sure. Great back end of the bullpen guy. Our two setup man, Jimmy Garcia and Anthony Bass. I ended up on B-plus with both of them. Jimmy Garcia had a few blow-ups, but was mostly dominant, just kind of what you expected from him. And Anthony Bass, he was a little bit home run prone, but he was ultimately really effective. And aside from his postseason appearance, of course, good piece in the bullpen, did kind of what we needed him to do. Just B plus all around. I want to talk about the transfer student first, the guy who came from May High School in Florida, moved to our yeah. Blue, Jay, Blue Jay College High School University, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> A minus for sure. Uh, he really did some good things and I got to give him some love for that. I haven't given him some love Um you know, really all this podcast, but looking at Anthony Bass's numbers, he did a phenomenal job for us this year. And um, yeah, it's it's a B for Garcia for me. He had a really, really good, you know, one and a half months. And he also suffered, a, you know, where he came into games and just couldn't get batters out, couldn't get out of innings. But there was definitely more good with it. It's a B for Garcia from me. Yeah, how about our other three middle relievers? Um, Anthony Bass's little brother that came with him from that same high school, uh, Zach Pop. Um, and then we can also add in Adam Simber and Tim Meza in here. I gave Pop a B, Meza a B minus, Simber a B plus. Pop, elite stuff on the fastball. I really think this guy could be even better. Keep an eye on that. Tim, Tim Meza gave him a B minus. Good, not great. He got lefties out at a good rate. Solid partner, our bullpen. Did kind of what we needed him to do. And Adam Simber, I gave a B plus. He gave up a lot of contact, but he led the Blue Jays relievers in appearances this year, as well as innings pitch. And remember early in the year, it seemed like every time Simber wouldn't pitch, the Blue Jays' bull our offense would come back and give him a win. So a 10 wins out of the bullpen for Adam Simber, which I thought was kind of cool. So B's all around for the middle relief core. Yeah, I'm going to go the C plus. 
uh, B minus B root. I'm gonna give um, gonna give my C. Or sorry, we'll we'll start with the highest grade first. Um, actually, shoot, no, we'll start with Zach Pop because that's how mm -hmm. I have it timed out. We're gonna give the B minus to Zach Pop. I think that that I think that he you know came in and was very effective. I expect his grade to be a lot higher next year. I'm gonna give the B to Simber because, like you said, Jesse, he just found ways to get wins. I mean, it's incredible as a relief pitcher to get as many wins as he did. Um, and Tim Mazin gets a C plus from me, and it's, it goes back. It could have it could have been a B minus basically, but I thought that his numbers weren't. You know, total standout. I want to give the B B minus to Pop instead because you know what? He's younger, he's new, he's fresh, and I think that the ceiling is a little bit higher. And the other guys in the pen that really pitched significant innings, David Phelps and Trevor Richards. I gave them both C's, C minus for Richards, but David Phelps was fine. Two eighty three ERA. His expected stats were a lot closer to mid threes, and most of his appearances came in low leverage anyway. But effective low leverage innings, we'll take that. And then Trevor Richards, the strikeout numbers were good but he gave up a lot of home runs and he, he walked a few too many guys in the back end of that bullpen. A fine guy to be your seventh guy in the pen, but just kind of meh from Trevor Richards. I actually forgot to grade Mr. Phelps's paper, but I'll do so <laughs> right now. I will just give him a C grade. Uh, sure. But Trevor Rich, Trevor Richards got a D plus from, from me. Yeah, I, thought that, right. um, I thought that, I thought that his article on opener was not very good, nor mm. did I enjoy it one bit, Jesse. I, I again, you gotta give, you gotta, you know, put it on some guy in the bullpen for some parts of the year, and I think Trevor Richards, you know, took it in the teeth some games, and you gotta kind of say that, hey, who wasn't good for us this year in the bullpen? You can kind of point fingers at that Trevor Richards, I guess he was good at some points, but again, we had a very good bullpen at points this year, and Richards, you know, was probably the weakest guy out of the bunch. And now to tie our episode full circle, we have to talk about the coaching staff. So I guess uh, I guess we got to give Charlie Montoya an F, seeing how he got fired midway through the year. So he's like the type of guy who came to our class. He was banging the bongo drums too loud, and the principal had to kick him out of there. So we expelled <laughs> Charlie Montoya. So I'd say that's an F. And then John Schneider, B+. Good, solid. You know, he kept quiet. He did his own thing. He handed in his work on time. Maybe did a little extra credit. Good for you, John Schneider. Yeah, he for sure gets an A minus for me, man. I mean, he had a super good winning percentage in his first year. It's hard to take over as a manager, uh, you know, or any coach in any sport, you know, coming in kind of halfway. Uh, you got to give a lot of love to John Schneider, man. And I think that I think that he's going to exceed um you know, whatever Montoya did with this club, I think this was the right call. He gets an A minus for me, man. All right, so I think our main takeaways then, now that we've gone through the whole Blue Jays 25-man uh, roster and their player staff, is there's, there was a lot of players who simply just met our expectations, and then we had the few big surprises, like Monto or like uh, Manoa, like Gosman, like Ross Stripling, and like Jordan Romano. And for the rest of the guys, it was just like, yeah, they were good, but they weren't great. And not a lot of players, I think, ultimately reached the upside or their highest-case scenario season that they could have had, which would have brought the Jays to a 100-win season. But we also didn't see many players have disastrous seasons, aside from maybe Gurriel or something like that, which would have brought this team down to 85 wins. So I think our takeaway here is that the Blue Jays were a true-talent 92-win team. Most of them played at their true-talent level, and we won 92 games on this season. I, like, makes sense to me. Riley, what are your main takeaways from our grades we did here? 
I think if you replay this year, we do sit somewhere between, you know, we might cap out at 96 wins. I think 92 is a good number for us. I think we earn those wins. I think the fact that you look at Jose Barrios and what his num pitching numbers were, then you look at his counter stats, like his wins, losses. It's just funny how baseball works, man. Baseball is a wonderful, beautifully chaotic game sometimes where sometimes the worst pitcher on your staff gets more wins than a guy who would be a number two on other staffs. It's crazy how things work out, man. Like I said, I think if you replay this season, we sit between 88 and 96 wins. Yeah, so 92 makes exactly sense where we ended up with this current core of players. So that'll do it for episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Like, look, um, make sure you leave a five-star review on those podcast streaming platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to the video on YouTube. I probably shouldn't have waited to like the hour mark in the show to plug this. But if you're still here, toss us that thumbs up. It's the best way to help the show grow. Uh, make sure you check out our friends over at Leafs and Lads if they're still doing their videos over there for all your Maple Leafs coverage. We'll be back next week, Riley, and we're going to get really into the off-season mode. We're going to discuss things like, should the Blue Jays shake up this roster? Should we trade for Otani? And we're going to go through some of the free agents to see how they would fit on this team and some trade ideas and stuff. We did pretty good last year, Riley, calling a few of the big uh, players the Jays should acquire. So uh, bookmark that one. That should be out at some point <laughs> next week. Um, anything else to add, Riley, before we get out of here today? Yeah, I'm just going to travel forward in time at some point during the next weekend <laughs> before our next episode, and I'll see who we acquire, and I'll report back to you, Jesse, so you hear it first on Buds and Blue Jays, because, yeah, Nostradamus or whatever, the looking into the future thing, I don't know, man, but uh, we did call some stuff last year. I don't know if we'll be as lucky this year, but we'll see what happens. Hey, Jesse and I love doing that, man. We love mm -hmm. making those crazy, wacky out and left field kind of calls and um yeah we hope you guys enjoy the stuff we love doing it let us know what you think of our grades whether we were too hard too easy on the guys i think mr jesse you were a little easy on certain mm, guys I, I could have been, yeah. and um i think and, and you know what i think i gave certain guys an easy road and some guys maybe shafted them a little too hard but you know what that's all fine jesse that's why we're baseball fans. You know, we get our opinions and everything like that, and it's awesome. All right, that'll do it, guys. We'll see you again next week. Until then, we'll see ya. Thanks, guys.